The Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast, post-match reaction to Crystal Palace's 3-1 away defeat to Southampton. I am Luke Terrell and I'm your host this evening. Matthew, unfortunately, can't be with us. We wish him all the best and hope that he's uh, feeling better soon. But I still have my uh, my other pod brother on the pod, Kevin. Kevin, how you doing, mate? Hello, Luke. Good to see you again, mate. And uh, yeah, I'm very well, mate. Uh, and we're halfway through the week, so all good stuff. Uh, and also, we're joined by long-term uh, listener of the uh, of the podcast and old friend John Collison. Uh, John, very pleased to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and it's good to see you guys as well. Excellent, mate. Yeah, well, as with all our guests, we're we're, we're doing a little bit at the end talking about your Palace memories and things like that. But before that, we've got a little matter of Palace's game last night that I'm sure we all thoroughly enjoyed watching. That was, of course, the three-one defeat away to Southampton. It started off really well, didn't it? And, you know, a really strong start from Crystal Palace again for the second game in a row. Christian Benteke looks like a man possessed, a man in confidence, brimming of confidence, and took his goal really well to get us started just under two minutes, wasn't it, Kev? Yeah, really good to see, Luke. I mean, uh, as you say, Christian's on fire at the moment. I think the interesting thing was, you know, it's like London buses, isn't it? We don't get an early goal and then you get two or three come along in a few games. Uh, I think what was interesting is Christian nearly scored in the first minute and was unlucky, wasn't he? And I thought, oh, he started on fire. And then about 45 seconds later, he actually puts one in the net and it was a really good goal, wasn't it? Took it really well. So, you know, he's either playing for a new contract or he's in the shop window and doing very well. So whichever way you look at it, we win. I don't really want the uh, don't really want the season to stop at this moment because it, it was a blistering first three minutes from Crystal Palace. What was your thoughts on that, John? How did you see it? Yeah, great start again, especially coming after the Sheffield United game. Um, Benteke, you said a man possessed. He's getting in the right place. He's getting in the right positions. And his proactivity is quite unbelievable compared to three months ago, six months ago, when he was just holding back. Very difficult to know what the difference is. I, I'm, I'm not quite as cynical as playing for a new contract, but there's something, I don't know, my, my old granny would have said ants in his pants or something, but he's on the move <laughs> constantly. He really is on the move constantly. Great performance again from him. So you, do, you don't fancy it's, it's to do with the, uh, the contract situation then? It, it, I mean, look, it could be a number of things. Obviously, we don't know. We, we do know that obviously he had a blistering start to his Palace career, 17 goals in his first season. Not so great afterwards. And then he was struggling with a knee injury that he operated on, I think it was last year, the year before last. So it could be that he's, he's only now feeling back to full fitness and, and this is what a, a firing fit Benteke is, eh, Kev? Yeah, and I was going to say, it's pretty fearful for the teams he might be coming up against in the Euros for Belgium, eh? Because, uh, let's be honest, he's he's playing into form for Belgium just at the right time, really, and obviously for us. So, I think we, you know, John, first time on the pub for us, but we're big fans of uh, Tekkers, as we know. Um, so, I'm delighted for him and I hope, you know, I hope uh, we can come to an agreement and he might stay with us, but Again, if he if that's the situation, it just makes me wonder what the situation is going to be with uh, Jean Philippe Mateta, because I, I'm just wondering where he's going to get his chance if if it doesn't come now, sort of thing. But uh, but yeah. anyway, that's only the, that's only the first two minutes, Luke. There's there's a whole lot of more of a game to <laughs> talk about yet, mate. 
It was, mate. And, and certainly it was an entertaining game. And, I, and one that I, I actually quite enjoyed, uh, even the second half. Palace were certainly much better in the first half. Although, on 20 minutes into the game, uh, Danny Ings, who was back to goal, managed, manages to, to sort of find some space uh, between Czech Kute and, and Scott Dan and fire it into the corner. And that was a, that was a brilliant finish, wasn't it, John? What did, what did you make of Ings' contribution? Obviously, that was, that was the first of the night. I've, I've always been a huge admirer of Ings. I know a few years ago there was talk of us signing him. I think we missed a great opportunity. The back-to-goal thing, that to me is the sign of an absolutely class striker. They create something out of nothing, which... Generally speaking, the odd exception IU in the last year or two, one or two special moments, we don't seem to have the strikers who have done that turn something out of nothing. I think what it did do as well, as good as Ings was on the night, and he took his other goal very well, we'll talk about that later, but I think Czech Coyote has been shown up just a little bit. I'm not saying he's playing badly, but he's not a natural centre-back. And I think there are gaps appearing between the two centre-backs. And I think that was another classic example. We've conceded, what, half a dozen more goals than we did in the whole of last season already? Possibly more than that now. And I just think that his naivety as a centre-back is getting shown up in that sort of situation. It's interesting you mentioned Czech there, because if I'm honest, if, if you were to go by social media and, and other people that I've spoken to today, they, they were quite critical of Scott Dan's performance. People were saying that he was quite slow and look, the team got mixed up because I think Roy said in the pre-match press conference that you know, obviously we've got games in quick succession now. It was Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday, Wednesday, I think we're playing now. So there is going to be some rotation in the squad, hence Gary Cahill dropping to the bench, you know, Jeffrey Schlupp, you know, his 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 appearances here and there and and, and Andrews Townsend and, and Jordan Ayew as well. But Kev, this this talk about Scott Dan for a minute there because he did attract yeah. quite a lot of attention last night. What, what, what are your views on his performance? To be honest with you, I think it was a bit mixed, Luke. You know, I think at one point in the first half, I mean, as you say, I, I think just going back to John, I couldn't agree more. I think Danny Ings' quality turned quickly. I think, you know, Kyoto's not missed a game, has he almost? Uh, he's been pretty much never present back there. So I think there is a degree of fatigue. The goal, that first goal seemed to go in slow motion to me. <laughs> it seemed to take forever to go past Guita. But again, quality forward puts it in the corner. Um, so I, I must admit, I, I didn't really focus on so much Scott Dan on that bit, really. But I, I do think, and I think we had an exchange earlier today, Luke, where I did feel as though he's, he's possibly... I don't mean to be disrespectful, past his best now. I think he's getting shown up a little bit. There was one point where he think, I think in the first half, he wanted uh, Guita to come for a ball, which he yeah. didn't come for. And then he ran it out for a corner. And you quite rightly looked as though there was that, not that lack of um, communication between him and Guita, but that wouldn't have happened uh, with the Scott Dan of old. I don't think he would, you know, and he certainly wouldn't have ran it out of play. I, th I think if I'm really honest, Luke, where I... I'm like you. I, I enjoyed the first half. Um, I thought it flew by. And I think the Sky commentator said, what a great half of football that was. I think what worried me quite a few times with our defence, as well as Joel Ward played, which he did, I think there were lots of times where he was in very narrow and the winger um, got down the left wing, got down, got three or four chances to whip the ball in. Uh, I think Redmond had a couple of shots yeah. where Guita made a few saves. And I thought it's only a matter of time. So we seem to be, I don't know if it was lack of balance or us making up for the fact that Cahill wasn't there, but that it seemed to be a bit of a concern for me. I thought Mitchell had another solid game as he had done on Saturday, but we just, it just, I don't know. It just didn't quite feel right at the back for me on uh, last night. John was, is that a fair 
fair call yeah, or not, would you it, say? It is. And um, I don't know if I've, I've misled it, but I, I'm not having a go at Coyote. He He's consistently been good and steady. I, I think the issue last night, you know, Dan's now in for a game. Will he be, will he be in on Saturday? And like all players, um, you, you're being asked to be on top performance when you've been out for a couple of games then put in with another different defensive partner. I dread yeah. to think how many defensive partnerships we've had this season. I know Coyote's played in a lot of them, but mm. you, you, the best are when you play four, six, eight. I think it was the season before last, we went eight games where the back four played together. Yeah. You know, I know Wan-Bissaka was in and all that, but you get this telepathic understanding. I'm going to show my age and hate heart back to the 78-9 promotion winning team. But we played about 15 players all season. And the back four, I think, played something like 38 games of those as a back yeah. four. It becomes instinct. And I suppose what I meant last night with Coyote and Dan, they just got a bit further apart than I think perhaps Cahill and Coyote would have done the week before. That just let Ings in at that moment. And um, hmm. it's just that not playing together every week. And he's not the type of guy you can let in, is he, John? Because as you quite no. rightly say, with the second goal, which again, I know we'll come on to, it's just the speed of his feet of which he beats Guita. He gets that extra mm. step in to get that shot off. And that's 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 a quality striker, isn't it? And and, and I think you're bang yes. on, John, uh, in relation to that. Um, so, yeah. So, sorry, Luke, I didn't really answer the question on Scott, Dan. I just think, as, as John has just said, it's really, really difficult when you've not got that run of games. And I don't know if that's just the modern game. Obviously, in 1979, when John was, what, you'd have been about 41, John? I'm joking. Something I'm like joking. that. 16, <laughs> I'm just, mate. I'm just teasing you, mate. I'm just yeah. teasing you. You know damn well I'm only playing you. But, but ultimately, <laughs> we know the game has changed and it's moved on. But, but you're right. I do think that lack of playing together uh, did bite us a little bit. And it was a shame because, yeah. let's be honest, Luke, if we'd scored the penalty, I think it would have been a very, very different second half and a very different half-time team talk as well. Completely. Yeah. Let's mm. talk about the penalty then because I, I don't think there's any doubting of, of the penalty. I know it went to VAR very quickly, but look, I think the commentators that I picked up on after the game, because I had turned the commentary off, if I'm honest, but they, they were saying that Wilfred Zahar was clever, that he saw Nathan Redmond coming. For me, he, he clips him at the back and it, 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 it's a pen. The, the pen itself is probably more worthy of talking about than, um, yeah. than, than how it's won. John, can I ask you, poor penalty or good save? Um, more of a poor penalty for me, I think. Um, not hit with any power, which is very unusual. He normally bangs them away with pace and I've seen one or two come back off the inside stanchions. That's how he normally hits them. Looked a bit more side-footed than front-footed. Mm -hmm. And it was that kind of two feet off the ground that if you are a keeper, you don't want it on the ground and you don't want it in the top corner. Two feet off the ground, you've got a chance of getting to it. And yeah, I, I thought it was a poor pen. You've got to, if you're, if you're part of the goalkeepers' union, and I was partly for a short spell at hockey, um, you've got to always a penalty save as a penalty save as a keeper. But... Yeah, not not up to his normal standard, I don't think so. Kev, I think I think the thing I would say, Luke, before we get your take on it, and again, you know, dear old Kev's mum has phoned me today and said, "What was Luca thinking Kev's of?" Mom. 
Yellow Kev's mum. Yeah. Um, what was Luca thinking of? Because just before the penalty, they put up the graphic of about the five penalties he's had this season. They've all gone the same side. Three had gone in, or sorry, four. Three had gone in, one had been saved. You, you know how much work uh, the, the Southampton manager does on all this and Fraser Forster. It's not rocket science to know there's a fair chance he's going to go that side again. And as John said, it's the perfect height for a goalkeeper. And it just looked almost predictable. And his body language, as soon as he took it, I just, I don't know. I, I know you can never second guess, but it's, it, I, I thought it was a poor penalty. But, you know, don't yeah. take anything away, as John said, from a good save. What was your take on it, Lukey? I, I thought it was a good save. I mean, look, you both rightly said the goalkeepers would, and their coaching staff have got to have a lot of credit because they will do their homework. They would have known that Luca prefers to go that side. So you've got more of a chance of probably saving it. But I don't know. Maybe it's because, I can't remember the last penalty we had. Maybe it's because it's been a while and, and he just felt goes safe and goes what he knows with and, and just hope that he's got enough power to beat the goalkeeper. Kev? Well, I was going to say, Luca's always had a very good track record, hasn't he? I'm sure John will know actually the stats, but previously I think he'd scored something like... 18 out of 20, hadn't he? he? He had a stage where he was on fire with penalties. I think yeah. the other season, wasn't it? He? he scored about 10 in the season or something. He, mad. Got, he got 11 on the bounce at one Yeah, point. 11 on the... Yeah. yeah. Is that now five out of 24 or something he's missed yeah. or something like that? So it's yeah. dropped a bit, but... It's, yeah, it's dropped a bit, but know. he's still fairly consistent, isn't he? He normally but, hits them with power. And I don't think... I think that was the key last night, no power. And, and look, yeah. I mean, if, if, if that goes in, we're 2-1 up at half-time. Um, yeah. And it, it's a completely different game. As it were, you know, we go in perhaps giving Southampton a little bit of a boost through saving the penalty and James Ward-Prowse very nearly scores on the stroke of half-time with a curling effort that I thought was in, if I'm honest, uh, right, right into it with past the post. So it must have been very close. And then the second half kicks off and we get done with a, a very well-worked corner, you have to say, but disappointing defending there from Palace, JC? Again, I'm not criticising him, but Coyote on the far post had the opportunity to whack it out for a corner. Um, When I was growing up, in whether it was football or hockey or anything, you know, if in doubt, whack it out was the kind of mantra. And it's almost like he let it... I got the impression he did swing a leg, but I don't think he was trying to kick the ball. And I think he thought it was going to go past everyone. So he went to play it and I think he kind of pulled out. So, again, I'm not going to criticise a man who's been a rock this year. He's played really well. But I think on the spur of the moment, if you asked him that again, I think he'd have hoofed it into the stand. So I think the thing is, John, about that, what was really interesting, if you obviously watched it on Sky, as I'm sure unless people were watching it on the stream would have seen, when they slow it down afterwards, as that goes in, Coyote's face is a picture because yeah. he almost looks as if to say, as if to say, he's looking at um, obviously uh, the kid who's put it in at the back post as if, and says, uh as if to say, how on earth has that gone in? His eyes are, it's actually quite funny to watch because he's like, you, you know, it's almost like, are you joking me? How's that gone in? And he, he almost looks at Vince as if to say, where did he come from? You know, so I, I think it is a clever yeah. corner, but it's, it's a, if you're a defensive coach, furious with that, yeah. take the personnel out of who it was yeah. to concede a goal like that because we're then on the back foot. And, and, and for me, what's interesting about that, Luke, is, we talked about Luca on Saturday and we were we were very complimentary about Luca's performance at Sheffield. We then get a free kick a little bit later. And I would have loved to have seen Eze on that. And Luca obviously takes yeah. control. I can understand him taking control because he's a captain. But with the greatest respect, the quality of Luca's free kick then, you know, give Eze that. Because again, we were waxed lyrical about Eze Saturday. And in fairness, 
he he wasn't really in the game yesterday, and, and I thought the game was made for for an Eze yesterday. But uh, just moving on a bit there. That, that was the next point I was going to come to actually, because I think Luca pulled rank at that point, didn't he? When when we got that free kick um, yes. shortly after we conceded, and you can understand obviously he wants to make amends for the for the penalty kick uh, and the miss, but. I think everyone was a little bit disappointed given we've seen what Eze can do with the dead ball situations, especially shots on goal, JC. Were you disappointed that that Eze wasn't involved in there? Well, I was. And as much as I was watching it, I I did have the commentary on. And the commentator even said, I think Eze fancies this. And and as he said that, I thought that's going to be good. And then you could see Luca put his right arm out to him as if don't. Don't you even think about it? So it's very hard. We've all played sport in our various fields. When you miss a pen or you mess up a free kick or you let a goal in and it's your fault, you try that bit harder to correct it. And as a result, things don't normally go (laughs) quite right. And I think that's the classic example. Miss the pen, trying something perhaps a bit too flash with the free kick. Obviously, he never really got under it to get it up and over. But we've all been there and it happens. Yes. Um, you know, he had a great game Saturday. He just wasn't quite on the money last yeah. night, Luca. Yeah. And, and what I like about that, John, actually, and again, you bang on the money with what you're saying, is I like the fact that he did pull rank as a captain and took ownership for, no, I've got, a, you know, I've dropped us in the mess here or, you know, I want to try and get us out of it to a degree. So I suppose it's six to one half dozen the other, isn't it, as to which way we look at it. But but I think it's disappointing. And then obviously we go on and the third goal sort of somewhat kills it. John? Yeah, yeah it's, you know, we, we sound like we're knocking Luca. Had he let Eze have it and Eze blast it over the bar, we might have been going... Well, surely the captain should have pulled rank. <laughs> and do you know what I mean? You kind of can't yeah. win sometimes. And no, exactly. I just don't think it was his game last night. You know, a couple of big incidents didn't go right for him. Um, he didn't seem to time his tackles right either, Luca. Yeah. And I don't know. And yet he was brilliant on Saturday, albeit against the team who were bottom. So he was pulled off, wasn't he, during, mm. the, during the second half? And for as much as Roy Hodgson is uh, lambasted sometimes for his negative tactics, some would say, or, or defensive focus, we went for it last night. And I was really pleased in the second half to see players. So, so we saw Jean-Philippe Maqueta come on. We saw Jeffrey Stump introduced to the game. We saw Mitchie Batchewaite. You know, and, and at that point, also, you've got to remember, we also had Wilfred Zahar and Christian Benteke on the, on the field. So we mm. actually went for it in the last 15 minutes. And I'd say we were unfortunate with the timing of the of the goal because I think we just made those substitutions when Danny Ings was fed through. And, I mean, there's, there's questions again about the defending for that goal, uh, for, for Ings' second. But that kind of killed it then, didn't it? Because Palace were almost yeah. looking then to, to go for it and, and that goal just sort of killed it as a competition, didn't it, Kev? Yeah, I think you're right, Luke. And I think the interesting thing about the Danny Ings goal, if, if I'm not mistaken, he was taken off straight after he had scored. And I think... Yeah. Ironically, if they hadn't possibly scored off that move, he was coming off anyway. He um, was. So I think it's quite an interesting one with regards to that. Is John eating his sweets or is he just rustling his paper? John, Sorry. what are you doing there, mate? We're, we're trying to record a pod here, mate, and you're eating your bloody pick and mix. What's going on? I'm, I'm not. I'm just putting it away. 
I'll tell you what, Luke. He's the only bloke I know who's got a McDonald's on. We go, what's going on? I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a Cadbury's caramel, and it was. I thought it might be. I thought it might be. near the side of my laptop, and it was starting to melt, so I've just moved it away. Johnny Five, you are legendary. We'll come on to the Johnny Five later. That is, Luke, if you edit that, mate, I'm never doing another pod with you again. I'll keep it in. That has to stay in, right? No, so so I think that I think the Danny Ings goal, as you quite rightly say, Luke, it almost sort of took the momentum out of where we were going. Um, but you're right. I think you can't knock what we were doing. I just thought we almost what what's I find disappointing, uh, and it's happened I think three times now since Christmas, depending on when the West Ham game was. In the past, if we took a lead. We very rarely got beat. I think we had lost one in 31 where we'd taken the lead. We've suddenly lost three games uh, where we've been in the lead. Um, and that's that's a bit of a worrying thing I would hope is uh, we can put out of uh, our game going into the new season. John? You're, you're right about the lead thing. However, last year and the year before, um, as a generalisation, everyone was going... We get a goal up and we sit back and we sit back and we're not creative enough and Hodgson won't let them off the leash. Now, this year, I think we've scored 10 or 12 goals more, but obviously we've conceded more. But when you start with Eze, Ayu, Benteke, Zahar, and you bring on, well, you didn't bring him on, but Townsend and Matata and Batshuayi and Schluck, yeah. you've got eight or nine what I would call out-and-out attacking players there and you can't play yeah. them all in. So... I think he's gone for it a lot more this year. And Eze has been... He used to have a def- an extra defensive midfielder in, and now we've got Eze instead. So I think we're conceding more as a result. We've not got that extra brick in, in the midfield. But we're getting forward and, and scoring more. So you kind of can't have it both ways. Yeah. You know, last two yeah. or three years, we've been a little bit... Get one, defend, end of. And we're not as good as Juventus were in the 70s and 80s to hold on to it. So, But we're not. You know, the Italians... You'd remember. Get <laughs> well, or even or even Arsenal of, uh, you know, like 1-0 to the Arsenal. We're just not yeah. good enough. But um, you can't have that both ways. I'd rather see no. us play... Without caution to the wind, I want to see us go forward a bit more, even if we concede a few more goals. And that will result yeah. in losing from winning positions. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Point. And, and, and like I said, you know, we, we, we did throw a lot on towards the end there. It just didn't really come together for us. I think Jean-Philippe Mateta maybe one one header. Uh, I think I don't, I don't really remember much of his contribution else to the game. Someone who, you know, I, I don't want to start picking players out, but Jairo Riederworld, I think we need to talk about because, Kev, you know, I've been quite critical of, of Jairo uh, in parts this season. And last night, again, I, I wasn't, impressed by him he, he felt kind of anonymous at times what did you think do you know what Luke that was mostly the word I was just about to use I was just you know I did as you know I watched the game a little bit later last night so I was uh, after it had been on so I didn't watch it till 10 o'clock last night um, as if I was watching it live then and I was just racking my brains and trying to remember what um, he was involved in so the anon- and that's not as a criticism to him. I just it was almost very vanilla yesterday. I didn't really see him do a lot either way, and that that sometimes can be a good thing. But nothing stood out for me, you know, uh, in in that way. And so again, I don't know if it's if it if it's just that he, he needs a rest. He's been playing in a few games, hasn't he? But he's he's still quite a young man. It's not as if he should be worn out, is he? If it was a James MacArthur, who you know, I'd be a bit more worried if he was, you know, uh, 
blowing up. Uh, but, you know, because he's yeah. not there either at the moment, I, I, I think there's a bit more work being put on Gyro. Uh, and I think that's a bit of a bit of a challenge for him. Maybe it's laying heavy on him at the moment. I don't know. John, it'll be interesting to get your view because there's been a lot of clamour for, for, for Gyro among the Palace fans to play. And, and I appreciate it's probably because we, sh- we saw a little bit of him when he first signed on the Frank de Boer, came in as Frank's man, didn't he? And, and then during that season, later on when Hushin t- took over, he, he had a couple of good games where he was given a chance, but he was unlucky with injuries. And, you know, he's got a bit more of a chance this season. How have you rated Jairo's contribution? Yeah, he never really got going. Um, you've just summed that up nicely. This year, he started a lot more. Um, I would think he's three quarters of the games he started have been this season. And leaving aside last night, where I think anonymous is the right word, he just wasn't in the game. It passed him by and it it happens to players. I actually generally think he's done well this year. He is still a young player. I shouldn't think he'd started more than 10 to 20 games before this season kicked off. He'd probably come on 25 times as sub, but that could have been less than the whole of one game, I think, in terms of play, because he was always coming on with three minutes to play. Mm. Same sort of thing to me is happening with Mateta. And if we're not careful, he'll want out again. I mean, he got 12 minutes last night and that's probably the longest he's had since the Brighton game. Well, I, I mean, John, as I understand it, Mateta and his agent have, have been sort of very been made aware that you know his, his playing time this year will be quite limited, and you know this is his chance to impress in training and mm. you know get to know and get up to the speed of of of, of English football next season. He's really expected to kick on, so I think we'll see more of him next year. Obviously, he's got another year left on his loan deal, but we, we mentioned anonymous things there, and and something else that was that was missing last night was the voice of Ray Lewington, and something that I've really enjoyed uh, throughout this, this this period of, of watching football behind closed doors and one of the few things I've enjoyed about watching football behind closed doors is being able to hear more of the Palace coaching staff mm. and I was informed that, that Ray was uh, suffering from a bit of a, a sore throat last night and it was quite interesting there, there seemed to be a different dynamic in the Palace technical area it's not often you see Ray and Roy sat down throughout the whole game They're Dave Reddington the, the other first team coach almost um boss the game and I made a joke in our WhatsApp group saying you know was this Dave Reddington's audition for for the Palace job um, quite flippantly obviously I don't think he is in the running but um, Kev do you think we missed that bellowing from Ray yesterday? I think we do Luke I mean I if you look at what comes from Ray and for those of us as you say who have the pleasure of having Sun's Times Sky with no volume uh, crowd noise it is it is refreshing and it is very noticeable when when Ray uh, earlier on in the year, didn't he, and his wife were poorly with COVID, uh, w- there was a drop off on that because obviously it's not Roy's style, quite rightly. Um, and, and yeah, it was very noticeable because I, I think what he does, he encourages the guys. Yes, he's he's on at them constantly, but it, it's a lot of it is very, very positive, you know, good loot, you know, whatever player it is, is closing down. And that, that can only be good as a player, I think, when you're hearing that, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do think we missed it. Um, I must admit, I hadn't picked up on it significantly last night because I think when I was watching the game, it was quite late. Um, so I hadn't mostly picked up on it as much. I was trying to keep the noise down in the house, I would have thought. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so, um, I yeah. I, I think it does make a difference. And and again, depending on what happens next season, potentially, I think that's it's not just about Roy. It's about Ray and the team that comes with him, which I think yeah. is a big part to uh, ha- how we play. John? Yeah. 
I, I would agree. Um, it's obviously all up in the air around managers and things. I don't know if we're going to touch on that in a minute, but I, I, when I when I captain sides on hockey fields and things, I was I was a shouter, I was a caller, I was a coordinator, and I think you need that kind of thing both on the pitch and on the sideline. Um, I, I always worries me when a coach just stands there and says nothing. I don't know. It, it's a passionate game and I like to see passion. Is it the right way? Not if you're the likes of Arsene Wenger who just sat there like the professor. I don't know when it worked for him. But um, yeah, I, I, I like to see the shouting and the encouragement. And I think Lewington does a great job. Uh, they probably complement each other really well. And, and it yeah. works. Could I, could I just throw in Luke? I, I don't know if you were going to come on to it. But for me, Zahar's had two or three quiet games now. And... <sighs> You know, we all look at him as God or whatever and, you know, the best player in the side and all that sort of stuff. But does he strike you as someone who's playing for a big money move? Question. I mean, we did touch on this slightly on, I think, on the on the last pod. My, my yeah. view was that, that I think he's probably a little bit frustrated in his position because if you'd scored 10 goals playing up front, probably be rightfully a little bit miffed that you were then put out on the wing where you'd probably not be able to have such a, an impact on the game uh, Figures-wise, because you know, in Wilf's pre-match interview, he did, did say you know a lot more of the game now is about figures and stats and what you can say you've got in a season. I, I think it was interesting last night because you always expected there almost to be a, that flashpoint between him and James Wall's prowess that we've seen in the past. That never really materialised. In fact, it was, oh, no. was Chet Kaute and James Wall prowess that, that butted heads a couple of times. But uh, I don't think he's playing for a move. I do think if we are going to sell him, this is this is a summer for him to go. Um, unless he's going to sign a new deal um, and, and Palace are going to pay him a little bit more money and he's going to be content with that. But yeah, Kev, what did you make of Wilf last night? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with John. I mean, I flagged Wilf on Saturday, didn't I? I, I, I think it, it's very rare and, I, you know, bear in mind we've had games literally almost 48 hours apart. It's very rare that you see Wilf take someone on and not go past them. And I think the Sheffield game and last night, there was a few times where normally he would have got away from people or he would have made some magic happen. Not disputing, obviously, he got us a penalty and, and you know, because he's with his clever footwork. But it, it, it hasn't felt as though it's it, it's come as consistently in the last two or three games. I, I don't think, as I John will possibly have heard when I said a pod a few, three or four pods ago, I thought I wanted him to lose some of his petulance because it was becoming a bit frustrating. And I, I don't think he's showing that petulance in the last few games. I think he's tempered that quite well. I, I think Will's hard to read at the moment. You hear, I hear different things, you know, about him being content and family life and everything. And he mostly knows how much he is adored by Palace fans. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think a lot of it all hinges again. And I, I know John might mentioned it a minute ago and we've done it a lot on the pod. I think it all hinges on what happens I, th I think Roy's not saying anything till the last day, as I understand it, last game as to what's going on. So I think that will be then the the catalyst for a lot of movement within Crystal Palace or hopefully the catalyst for a lot of people re-signing or doing stuff, depending on Roy. Sorry, Luke, you was going to say. Yeah, well, it's just a point you, you touched on there, Kevin. It was something I was going to ask. I know we have talked about Roy and the managerial situation a lot on the pod, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep it simple because I know... You know, Matthew's view is that Dougie Freeman's destined to become <laughs> Crystal Palace manager. I still think Jose Mourinho is going to come to Palace. Um, you know, he's going to tear yes. up his new contract. Thank and, and come to, and come to Palace. Well, 
Lampard has been listed again today, I think, in the press as, as being linked to us. So I'm not entirely convinced by that. I mean, look, one of the things that I hope for is, and I did say this on the last pod, is that, you know, for the 6,500 fans who do get into the Arsenal game, if there is an announcement beforehand, it's an opportunity then for those 6,500 Palace fans to show their appreciation to Roy Hodgson, who's really kept Palace up on a shoestring budget as, um, you know, for me, worked miracles when you consider um, the amount other clubs have spent in the league, you know, including those clubs that have come up. And I appreciate, you know, they get big influx of money. But I, I think he's he's been a very solid, dependable... And, and, and this, not forget, Roy's a gentleman as well. I, I think he always yeah. approaches things in, in the right way. And I've got a lot of respect for the way that he handles himself in, in the press. And I think last night's post-match press conference, he, he pretty much said that he was going, but didn't want to announce it just yet that's the feeling I got anyway John where do you stand on, on the Roy situation um, would you be distraught if he signed for another year not at all not at all um, I, I'm in the be careful what you wish for camp you know <laughs> I watched Charlton and others you know go down the Swanee because instead of being eighth they wanted to be like fifth and they got rid of Kirbishly and so on and so on so and I know that's history if you go back but these things happen very quickly. Look how we suddenly went down the Swanee when we bought De Boer in. You get the wrong person, you can't always get out of it. We've got out of things two or three times under Poulis and Allardyce and subsequently Hodgson. We're on a good steady ship at the moment that actually a few players may not sign, but actually two or three half decent players. You know, look, we picked up Eze for... It is a lot of money, 15, 16 million. But actually, you know, someone like Arsenal, having seen this season, could come in and offer 40, 45 million for him. There are players out there. Is Ivan Tony the man? I don't know. You can get these players. And we're two or three or four players from being a good mid-table side again. And that sounds lack of ambition. It's not. I think I'm a realist. Um, you know, I, I would take another season of Hodgson... The only problem with that is you're then probably putting off the wholesale change of players because Hodgson likes to keep a, a group. I, I don't know. I Talk Sport were talking about it and they're pretty sure that they think Sean Dyche is coming. They yeah. Somebody on Talk Sport seemed to have an inside line and yesterday they were talking about it and they feel Dyche is ready to move. So, John, can I ask if... if, if... Say we were to lose Roy, which would be very sad, and all three of us yeah. are of that similar ilk. Yeah. Who, who would you like to see come in if you if you were having, you know, a long-term Palace fan as you are, even longer than me, because uh, we often go back to our days in the 70s. But yeah. who, who who would you like to see come in if to give us that steady ship or take it onwards well, from what Roy's done? I, I think someone like Sean Dyche would be a good steady... You know, he's proved as well. I think it would be difficult if Dyche went to somewhere like Tottenham because I think he might struggle with the big personalities and having to sign £60 million players. He comes to Palace, he's got the same sort of relatively low budgets that Burnley have, and he's picked some gems out, a mix of youth, one or two through their youth team, and one or two older players who were almost like Eric Peters from Stoke, who was almost past it and had a blinding season last season for Burnley. He's got that knack of getting the best out of what he's got, which reminds me of a young version of Hodgson, except with a Dalek voice. You know, he's got that kind of whole... Um, but, but in all seriousness, you know, Luke, you said Mourinho. 
I, I hope not. I don't want uh, another Frank de Boer in effect. I don't want another catalyst, uh, cataclysmic sort of, we're going to change everything and throw it up in the air. I want a nice, steady situation. And I think with Hodgson, sorry, Luke, one second. Hodgson's the longest serving palace manager now since Steve Koppel. And that says a lot to me about consistency. The consistency is the point there, isn't there? And, that, and that's one of the key things to think about because, like you say, if there is going to be a mass uh, rebuild in the summer in terms of the playing squad, I guess it would make sense to, to make the managerial change there. And as I alluded to earlier, I, I get the feeling from Roy's uh, press conference and his his tone has changed from at the start of the season, especially in the pre-match press conferences when he was talking about his future. You know, he was very keen at the start of the season to say, you know, he didn't feel this year would be his last in football um, mm. He wanted to carry on. And now that shifted to, I think a couple of weeks ago, was the first time we mentioned about perhaps even moving upstairs. And, and that was sort of, that was, yeah. that was mooted a little bit. Yeah. And I, I do think that there will be a change. As I said, I only hope it is, is before the Arsenal game. John, have you been able to get tickets for the Arsenal game? No, I haven't, because um, myself and my friend Mike, who you've met before, um, mm. we both ducked out this year on medical grounds. So we were not eligible. We paid the £200 to reserve our seat and obviously right. have spent that for next year. Just quickly, if I was to go a bit left field, I know I've said I probably wouldn't, but look what Aston Villa did with taking the Brentford manager, Dean Smith. I would take the current Brentford manager, Thomas Frank. If you were to do someone who's not an existing Premier League manager, to me, he's proved himself. Lost in the playoffs last year. He's in the playoffs again this year. I think if Brentford go up, he'll obviously stay. But if you were to do that, what I would call slightly outside the box thing, Thomas Frank finds players from nowhere, gels them together, plays lovely football. Can I just throw in one on the top of that as well, John? And I think that's a... Great call, actually, Thomas Frank. But here, here, Luke, here's a thought. Just uh, and this isn't to be controversial. What about Scott Parker coming to uh, Palace and um, Roy going back to Fulham? <laughs> no, I'm not, Fulham, I'm, you're, you're laughing at me. But I, would you rule out because because I would love to see Roy as our director of football. Um, but if not, could you see him going to somewhere like Fulham? Uh, back again, where he's got obviously a lot of love as well for previously and what he's done for them. Because he doesn't, from my understanding, and I didn't see the interview last night, As you, he's not ready to stop yet. And I think he still wants to manage. And I think I think he's still got so, so much to offer. Yeah, um, I, and as you said, Luke, you hit the point, which I think is even more important. And this goes for Parrish as well. Both gentlemen and both wonderful advocates of Crystal Palace Football Club. But Thomas Frank's an interesting one, and a lot of our Danish listeners, and we do have a lot. Hello to our Danish friends. Um, we'll be we'll be very pleased with Thomas Frank. And look, the uh, model at uh, Brentford is the same. They've got FC Midtjylland. It's run by the same people. They do run this yeah. sort of money ball, how do you call it, method of, of finding players, and and therefore they are able to pick up a few gems. So Ivan Tony, look, we've seen it with Ben Rama. We've seen it with um, Ollie Watkins, who have come through Brentford and, and done, you know quite well in their first season in, in the Premier yeah. League this season. I mean, look, Fulham fans would love it, Kev, but I don't think Roy would go to go, go back to Fulham. Like you said, I think perhaps the, the rigours of, of championship football and that promotion might be a bit too much for Roy at, at this stage in his career. But look, it's all going to come out of the wash, isn't it? And, and, and it'll be very interesting to see and very interesting to follow. But as I said, um, I think we might, I get an inkling that after Sunday's game, 
there might be some sort of announcement. And, and yeah, it, it, it would be lovely if the Palace fans in attendance, and, and I'll be there myself with, with my brother, hopefully, um, get to pay our, our respects. That's not the right, is it? But, you know, but, you know yeah. say thank you, I guess, to Roy. Show for, your for appreciation. His... Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because I, yes. I'd like to do that. Um, and I hope that he does remain connected with the club at, at some point, you know, however that is, even if it's just sort of, plays yeah. a role perhaps in, in, in recommending who he feels should be right to take over, Kev. Yeah. So, so Luke, obviously, and I think, as you say, I think that's Sunday week, isn't it? Uh, sorry, not Sunday week. It's next Wednesday, isn't it? The Arsenal game. Um, yeah. So this Sunday, we've got Aston Villa and another crazy quick off time, 12 o'clock, I think. So yeah. obviously, we mostly it's not, mostly not fair to John for us to do our predictions on our last three games. So, um, you know, we've got three more games. Um, you know, what we're on 41 points at the moment. I think our best ever points is 50. So unless we win all three games, we're not going to equal that. But wouldn't it be no. great if we could? And, um, you know, we do have a habit of ruining Liverpool's last day, right? <laughs> so uh, there, there's still an outside chance. So I, I don't think we need to do predictions unless you really want to. What I am keen to talk about, Luke, if I may, is... As I say, we've been working some time to get Mr. Collison on this. And uh, and obviously, uh, John and I and, and you and John and I used to work together 25 years plus ago. And we've all worked together in recent years, in the last 15 years. Um, I've spent many a good days with Johnny Collison uh, following Palace. <laughs> Wembley, uh, watching Crystal Palace come second once when Steve Claridge shinned one in in 96 yeah. and, and then going back the following year and we've been to Bradford when we've won 4-0 away. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm hijacking it, Luke, but Mr Collison, can, can we take two or three minutes of your time to give us your best Palace memories and everything that you love about well, this wonderful football club? Yeah, I mean, first of all, very personal one, Kev. And I know you and I went to Bradford and that, but I'm sure you're going to go that. South End, South End, <laughs> the, telly, the Telly West bug at South End. And I think South Jerome scored against us, didn't he, for South End or something like that? There you go. Where did that one come from? I don't Good know. Good days, mate. Good days. They were, yeah. Um, well, I've been watching Palace for too many years and I've worked it out, believe it or not. It's over 50 years since I saw my wow. first game. So um, my dad took me, um, he was a copper, so he did a lot of shifts and stuff, so not around that much at weekends. I looked up the date for this, 5th of September 1970, home to Nottingham oh. Forest. So okay. we won 2-0. So Can I tell you something was... exciting about that, John? Can I tell you Go something on. about exciting that? that? That was just after my first birthday. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> You're on a wind up tonight, Kevin, aren't you? <laughs> So the first, I mean, I don't think Luke, well, you, you may have heard of this guy, Jim Scott, who was a Scott, actually, but he's <laughs> the first Palace player I ever saw score. And one you probably have heard of, the second goal was Jerry Queen, who, one of my heroes. Now, my granddad. Here we go. Very quick story. He worked for Waits the Builders and Arthur Waite gave him, when he retired to Crystal Palace Football Club, as the odd job man. And when Palace won promotion in 69 to the top flight, um, Jerry Queen gave my granddad his shirt that he wore on the night. And I used to wear that all rolled up up until I was about 12. When Brilliant. one day I asked mum where it was and she'd thrown it out because it had a hole in the sleeve. Oh, so there no. you go. I had Jerry Queen's shirt. So when you see them on the balcony in those famous pictures and when they get promotion, he doesn't throw his shirt down to the crowd. He gave it to my granddad. But there you go. 
There you go. So uh, many years what ago. What a story, John. So, what a story. Yeah, that was my first game. We, we, we covered, obviously, your first game and, and you mentioned the away games there as well. But what's your, what's your favourite Palace memory then, John? My favourite Palace memory? There's... Can I? Well, there's probably about three matches where we'll go for free. Go I, on, give us a free. I can't separate them. The '79 promotion game against Burnley, just for the volume and the noise. I mean, it just and the the the, the number of people in there over fifty thousand. And then the other two are both Liverpool, and I I flip between the two. Obviously, the four three win in the semi final. I was behind the you know in the whole end behind the goal with Mike. Uh, it's so long ago. He was with a different girlfriend, and he's been married to some woman thirty years now, and it wasn't her. So that's how long. Ago well, let's that. hope she's not listening then, John. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. So, um, and then Mrs. Mike's wife. Yeah, and then obviously the Liverpool three all, which. Even saying it now still sends shivers up my spine, the three all game. I mean, how can you have a draw as one of the greatest games you've ever seen? But somehow, from the moment Delaney banged that first one in, I knew, I said to someone, we're not going to lose this. And I really did. It's easy to say that in hindsight. I just knew there was something, and so many people around me have said there was something magical happening that night. So it was mm. just an unreal feeling. And there's an amazing photograph of... Um, Dwight Gale running towards the corner flag with his arms up and he's like almost you know planted, and I forget the two players. I think Delaney's one and someone else have both jumped Alassia, onto him either side, and it's almost like he's holding him up like a strongman. And I think it's one of the greatest sporting photographs I've ever seen in the emotion of it. And I know we're slightly biased, but you know. No, and and I, th I think one of the greatest things also about that night, John, is obviously because I think when Liverpool went three 0 up, wouldn't they? That Sky commentary was saying this is going to be really good for their goal difference. Yeah. All right. And then we yeah. score three. And then I, I think as Steven Gerrard tries to push the camera away from Suarez as he's crying and the uh, sky, sky cameraman's in his face, I, I thought yeah. that was quite um, yeah. therapeutic. Therapeutic, Wasn't I think, it just? is the term I'm looking for. <laughs> Wasn't it just? I mean, it just an incredible. To me, it was the emotion, the atmosphere. You'd have thought there were 100,000 people in the ground yeah. that night and all of them were Palace supporters. I mean, just the noise, you know. Oh, yeah. It's Mayhem, still making the hackles stand up on the back of my neck now. So 4-3, obviously, and I didn't come down for weeks, but that 3 all game it takes some beating. As, as a football yeah. match all round with everything that rested on it. So yeah. I've seen some great wins. I saw us beat Stockport 7-0 in 79. And I saw us beat Southend 8-0 in 90, both in the League Cup type things. Um, and I don't care what anyone says, when you're banging in seven or eight, that's a good night out. You know, <laughs> um, even against even against rubbish. And then, um, I probably shouldn't say this on air, but most of my security passwords have one of my favourite Palace players in. Right? No, I know. I know. You'll never get it with all the twists. Stop, and... stop there, John. No, you're stop right. there, mate. I'm a stop huge there. Jim Cannon fan and <laughs> oh, always was, God. always will be. No, it's all right. I'm, I've, I've over-egged the pudding, Kev. It's yeah. not as bad as it sounds. Well, at least uh, you haven't also... eaten it tonight. That's no, the there thing. is that. There is that. <laughs> I'll get back to that in a minute. And also, Vince. Vince Hilaire. Maybe I was just in that time and we've had great players since. Righty, Brighty, Wilf, etc. Jim Cannon and Vince Hilaire were my... You know, from the time I was 10, 11, 12, up to about 18, whatever it was, they were in that zone for me, you know. And, um, yeah, Vince skipping down the wing, always love it. So yes. I had a conversation yeah. with him once about it. And, you know, he still, you could see, he went back to then, you know, and he, uh, yeah. Great yeah. days. 
yeah, I think we can all relate to that to that night game uh, at Sellers. You know, Sellers under the lights is always something a bit special, and, and we always yeah. have sort of evocative uh, memories for a lot of Palace fans. <laughs> and and you're right, uh, it did feel like there was a hundred thousand in there that night. I can't obviously, I wasn't there for the Burnley game, um, but I can only imagine that the, the sort of the noise was. Was, was was similar and obviously mm. you didn't have the roof on the Homesdale I felt that at that point as well so potentially you know you, know, you, you do hope that it was similar but yeah it will be a great one won't it for, for our Palace fans to get back in the stadium hopefully sooner rather than later obviously we know that we will have six and a half hours in there for the Arsenal game and John I take it you'll be having your season ticket next season and oh, exactly I've already how renewed. much are you yeah. yeah, exactly. How much are you looking forward to getting back into into that routine yeah. of, of going to Sellers every couple of weeks? I, I cannot wait. Um, I, I miss the football. Um, my wife says I miss the chance to vent, which means I've probably been shouting at her too much. But that whole the frustration that builds up, you know, I know I'm not working anymore, but it just builds up inside you. And you go to a game on a Saturday sometimes and. I'm not one to shout at our own players, but I don't know. You just get up and shout sometimes, not necessarily at a referee. It's just that whole thing. Seeing my mate Mike and going to the games, um, meeting up with you. Very occasionally, Kev, obviously, is a part-time Palace supporter. Um, and meeting up with Paul, you know. Um, sorry, I couldn't resist that one. All right, mate. Uh, I'll let yeah, you have that is, one. It's about the people... Uh, a fellow me and Mike sit next to and have done for like 14 years, a guy called Andy. Uh, it's a bit of banter. You know, the fellow who sits in front of me, he's 82, 83, and he played football with my dad in 1952 for Bexley, Heath and Welling. You know, you kind of, yeah, it's just fabulous, the whole experience. It's friendly. It's a family club. I just want to see the, the net in the Homesdale bulge once or twice, early doors next season. So a couple of good goals and it'll be like it never missed it. Yeah, that, that release and like you say, that venting, I think everyone can relate to because sort of subconsciously it, it was a thing. I think a lot of people only realised, obviously, since it was been taken away from them, that that was a place where people did go to let off steam and, and you didn't. So you didn't realise it at the time. I guess it's probably reflected in, in the way that people perhaps now take to social media and, and use that as a platform to vent, you know, on Twitter and, and Facebook and mm. message boards and things like that. Instead, yeah. perhaps they take out their frustrations there. And hopefully, you know, yeah. we get back to some sort of stage where people can do that in the stadiums and uh, perhaps um, things will be a little bit calmer online um, next season when, when people are back in the stadiums. Yeah, yeah I, I I hope so. I think that I hope that the whole online thing. I'm I'm starting to well, for a year, eighteen months. I've not really been using my social media. I haven't bothered with Twitter and all that sort of because to me it's an embarrassment what people do and how they behave. And I don't even want to go on there in case I sort of mistakenly like something and then two years later somebody's found out to be. I haven't even got a job to lose to worry about. But it's yeah. I do. It's just an embarrassment. I don't know why people behave like that. I, I, yeah. yeah, it's a shame. I think the thing I would add, if I may, Luke, and, and, and just listening to that, John, and various things, I mean, obviously, Luke and Matt, and, and obviously I've been involved for at least the last, well, year and a half, but certainly all the way through lockdown for well over a year doing the pods. And we said it's been 
incredibly therapeutic win lose or draw it's been great yeah. to connect and do this and it's it's great to have you on the call today and reminiscing like we we've done on numerous occasions over the years i think what's also is is really important is when we look look back at some of these dates and how these years have passed and you know you talk about great memories and if you wouldn't mind luke i just wouldn't mind take 30 seconds just to just to flag believe it or not it's, it was 36 years ago yesterday 36 years ago yesterday, the Bradford fire. Uh, and that, that, that day, John and I have had a lovely day up at Bradford when we went and watched Palace watch on a win on a Tuesday night, 4-0. And yeah. the Bradford people were fantastic to us when we were up there one night. But it's 36 years ago yesterday. And the reason I'd say that is John will know this because he would have been at the game. Our last game of the season that day, Palace, um, we lost 2-0 to Grimsby. And George Wood, our dear old goalkeeper, gave me his gloves after the game. Um, and John being a goalkeeper will appreciate how nice and how flea bitten they were after a season but I kept them gloves for about 20 years and I only got rid of them uh, you know uh, obviously a number of years ago but but I think the point I'm making is football fans genuine football fans football memories good people know how to respect and do things properly so I just wanted to just take that moment as well, Luke, if I may, just to, we, we know a lot of other fans listen to this from time to time. So for our friends in in Yorkshire and Bradford, uh, our, our thoughts are with you at these difficult times. It doesn't yeah. get any easier any year. So no, I just no, wanted to throw that in. You know, important to remember that um, there were a lot of people that went to a football game that day and, and never returned home and that yeah. should never happen. And, and also something else that you, you also touched on there, Kev, I think it's worth pointing out that, yes, you know, there has been some difficult things that we've seen on social media increasingly over the last year, but it can also be a good place for people to connect. Um, look, I mean, we, we put out our podcast on there. Yeah, we it had, can. had the pleasure of, of people on Instagram and Twitter at Six Pointer Podcast for, for those listening who, who do get in touch with us and we really do appreciate it. And you know, a lot of our Danish fans and, and fans of other clubs as well as our Palace fans, we, we appreciate people getting in touch with us. And and you know, even if they have questions for the pod, it's just making points and, and giving us their views. And if if used in the right way, it's a, it's a it's a great tool. And um, yeah, it, more of that I think would be nice. Um, and, and I'm all for that really. Um, Boys, yeah. I think that's uh, a good place to wrap up the pod. JC, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's, it's been a long time thank coming. And we really appreciate you, you taking your time out your data to come and speak to us. And uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be too long before we get you on again. No, that's great. No, it's very really enjoyable and uh, always good to have a bit of banter with you guys. So. And hold on, John, but you, before you go, you, you do know how we finish off the pod, don't you? Uh, right, you John, take, you can, co- you take you can the come in. You out of the new boy, do you? No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you can come in third. Don't edit this out, Luke. You can yeah. come in third. So it's going to be Luke first, then me, then you, then it's Christian Benteke. So get ready. Luke, okay. over to you. So, of course, we will be back after the uh, Aston Villa game on Sunday. We'll have a post-match podcast for you then. Uh, But until then, everyone, enjoy your weeks and up the palace. Up the palace. Up the palace. Up to palace. The Six Pointer Podcast. (laughs) 